Yeah, I only have two news stories. Okay. They're probably the same ones you have. We'll see. We'll I've see. Got, I've got three. So. Okay, you can get started. All right, let me let me do the intro first, I guess. We probably should, like, introduce what we're doing today. Right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. It's your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. 105. 105. We've made it a long way. I'm kind of surprised. I'm surprised I haven't been banned from your house yet. You haven't hit anyone in the shoe with a snowball lately. No, I have not. <laughs> I have not, so I guess that's that. I got that going for me. But 105 episodes, a lot of fun. Definitely. The last one was about. What was our last one about? Oh, in, industrialists, titans of industry. Yes, entrepreneurs. Yes, that was a fun one. We didn't really stick to the topic too well with that one. Probably not, but it, it worked out. It came together pretty well. I thought. Um, I thought that was a fun little discussion that we had going on. Sure. But 105, we got a fun one in store for you guys. So, do you want to get started with some news today? How many do you got? I have two. How many do you got? I brought three in, and the first one's kind of serious. Sure. How about you get going? All right. This one's going to come from MSN.com, which is the Microsoft News, whatever. Recent UFO sightings Mm. could be probed from alien mothership, says Pentagon official. Son of a bitch. A Pentagon official who heads up a secretive unit studying unidentified flying objects has speculated that recent sightings in U.S. airspace could actually be alien probes from a mothership sent to study Earth. Hmm. Sean Kirkpatrick, head of the Pentagon's All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or AARO, has claimed in a new academic paper that the objects, which appear to defy all physics, could be probes sent from an extraterrestrial parent craft. The draft paper, co-authored by Harvard professor Avi Loeb, who we've we've talked about him before, he's come up before, hmm. and seen by Politico that interstellar objects such as the cigar-shaped wow. <laughs> It's spelled O-U-M-A-U, or M-U-A-M-U-A. Interesting. That scientists spotted flying through the galaxy in 2017 could potentially be a parent craft that released many small probes during its passage to Earth. The authors compare the probes to dandelion seeds that could be separated from the parent craft by the sun's gravitational force. Now, that's kind of... You're, you're taking a couple leaps to sure. land on that. <laughs> the probes could use starlight to charge their batteries, and the Earth's water as fuel. Habitable planets would be particularly appealing to these extraterrestrial transmedium probes, capable of moving between space, air, and water. The authors write on a paper dated March 7th. From a large distance, Venus, Earth, or Mars would be equally attractive for probes, but upon closer inspection, Earth would show spectral signatures of liquid water and vegetation. So it goes on to talk about how the paper hasn't been peer-reviewed or all that shit, but it's pretty interesting that a a Pentagon official who's in charge of a project is coming out publicly to say this type of thing. I mean, the Pentagon isn't part, it's, it's, pretty institutionalized if you would if you if there is an institution the pentagon's an institution if you i would say so follow that type of logic yeah this is very interesting you have to think that they have some pretty credible something on sure yeah i don't know that's very interesting i just thought it was funny and i know that we've talked about this avi Loeb guy before he's popped up i can't remember in what context he popped up but he popped up in something so i don't know i mean this is pretty this is big this is pretty big yeah i'm surprised and it did get covered on different sources 
but MSN was the first one that I saw this, so this is the one I decided to go with. Hmm. But this is a recent news story. This only got published like a couple hours ago, so. Bam. It's pretty good. Breaking news from 4.30 in the morning. I guess so. Bam. Now, obviously we talk about aliens a lot, so. Sure. Maybe we could do an alien episode in the future. We could. Talking about the Pentagon's releases. Would that be Aliens Part 13? I think we're, 14? On, I think we're on 13. I feel like we're on 13. Bam. It's always a fun series. we got to get back into that. Definitely. We haven't Anyways. done one in a while. Yes. Anyways, what else you got today, man? Mine are kind of weak, but this one, it sounds funny. I haven't read it yet. This is from our favorite UPI Odd News. Uh-oh. Escaped emu <laughs> leads police on 20-mile chase through Tennessee town. Oh, my God. This is April 14th. An escaped emu led Tennessee police on a chase through town, and the bird escaped again the following day. These emus are something different. Harry McKinney, whose family keeps two emus, Mimu and Mimi, (laughs) (laughs) at their Rowan County home, said Mimu was spooked by logging near the home on Wednesday and jumped over the property's seven-foot fence. McKinney turned to social media for help, and Harriman residents soon started sending him videos of the large Australian bird taking a tour of the town with police in hot pursuit. Stephen McDaniel posted a video to YouTube showing Mimu strutting down the middle of the road with three Harriman police cars following close behind. He estimated the slow speed chase was moving at about 20 miles an hour. McKinney said police managed to surround Mimu near the city's downtown, and he rushed to the scene to bring the flightless bird home. He said police told him that they clocked Mimu running at a top speed of 40 miles per hour Holy during shit. the 20-mile chase. <laughs> I feel like that's faster than our previously recorded high speed. Yeah. That we, because we've talked about this type of shit before. I think we oh, had yeah. Them we've at, talked about Emus a couple times. We've had them pegged at 35. I think 40's got to be a record. Right. McKinney said the saga appeared to be at the end, but Mimu managed to jump over the fence again. Thursday morning, despite the height being increased. (laughs) He said his wife was able to capture Mimu after about an hour. The couple said the height of the fences on their property have now been increased to nine feet to help curb Mimu's wanderlust. And that's the end. (laughs) He's like the Benda Bear, or the bird version of Benda Bear. A Benda Bear, yep. Oh my god, that's funny. That was a good... Yeah, I thought that was funny. Yeah, good job, Ben Hooper. Yes, sir. I love that guy. Oh, yeah. He's one of our heroes, for sure. He's our dude, yeah. But these emus, I was watching a video, one of my friends sent me a video of emus trying to play soccer, and it's like, I guess they're a relatively popular, like, pet for like rich people that live in the country it's like they, they like keep emus as like like pets basically what do you do with an emu so what they were doing is they were two people and two emus and they were kicking a soccer the people were kicking a soccer ball back and forth and the emus were like watching and like trying to participate <laughs> but it's like they, they couldn't they couldn't get the concept of kicking the ball so it's like they get to the point where they were going to kick it's like they touch the ball and then they'd like fly away <laughs> That's it funny. was a pretty funny video. That's silly. But I don't know. I'll we'll have to find that and post it on Facebook. Emus are different. That's a different type of animal. For sure. Now, it seems like we're seeing more emu escapes in the U.S. than ostriches. Yes. Which is probably a good thing because emus are a little bit smaller. Ostriches are dangerous. Those are like, those are some beasty, yeah. beasty animals. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I got one more. Or I got two more, actually. Sure. This one's pretty funny. This one's going to come from 6abc.com. Police search for group of suspects who stole 2 million dimes from truck in northeast Philadelphia. Police are looking to locate a group of suspects who are responsible for breaking into a tractor trailer and stealing $200,000 worth of dimes in northeast Philadelphia. Jesus. Discovery was made when police responded to a call around 6 a.m. Thursday. 
The tractor trailer, which was parked in a Walmart parking lot on 4300 block of Byberry Road, contained about $750,000 worth of dimes. Police on scene said an estimated 2 million dimes worth $200,000 were stolen. Police believe the suspect got away in a white Chrysler 300 with tinted <laughs> windows. <laughs> you kidding me right now. And a dark colored pickup truck. The suspects were seen wearing all black and gray sweatshirts. When officers first arrived at the scene, the dimes were found scattered from the Walmart parking lot to Woodhaven Road. The truck driver picked up the dimes from the Philadelphia Mint on Wednesday, but they went home to get some sleep before a long drive to Florida. <laughs> this is a common practice to pick up a load going to Florida and to go home for the night to get sleep and then get on the road in the morning, said Captain Jack Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus of the Northeast detectives the truck driver parked the big rig in a Walmart parking lot when he came back Thursday morning he found the trailer door was open now the article is going to go on for a while but I'm not going to get into it <laughs> and I'm super happy that I gave this story a glance because this is one that I picked up on the headline alone and I hadn't looked at it until about an hour before I came over here <laughs> so I'm happy that I, I read that news story else I would have been I wouldn't been able to spit it out properly sure no, I am not the suspect. <laughs> I've been in the Pennsylvania a very long time, but I thought that was a funny, just a funny coincidence, if you will. Your dad could have taken your card as a suspect because <laughs> he's already wanted in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Yeah, that That's was funny. that was a funny, <laughs> funny news story. That was a great so, news story. So stealing dimes, I've never thought about like like them guys probably were like, there's probably so much money. I mean, two hundred thousand is a decent amount. It's of money, not a bad amount of money. It's not an, like I wouldn't risk my life to go get two hundred thousand dollars in dimes. I'm trying to. I was thinking about doing this, like trying to like weigh it out to figure out how much that would have weighed. Now, yeah. what what car were they driving? They're driving. Oh, a, it was it was a fucking yeah. It was, it was a three hundred. That bumper damn near had to bend on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that much zinc i think dimes are made of zinc now a dime like you see coins in the parking lot i don't touch any coins anymore but a dime would be like an exciting find sure you Back don't, you we don't find them very yeah yeah dimes are cool i like dimes because they're small they're valuable mm -hmm. you got fdr sure i know all the all, i know all the currency based on who they're who who's on their face name and name any currency i can tell you who's on there the silver dollar kennedy no no that's a good question i don't know that one kennedy's on the half dollar there's different ones silver dollar shall i don't know that one that's the one i don't know i have one upstairs i have a like a like a nice one i'll buy it from you no not getting rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. I'm about to buy a bunch of some silver. Yeah, I'm thinking about starting to get into some. Oh, I've been buying. Metals. I'm starting to buy ammo. That's what I'm. That's where I kind of think. Yeah, I need. need to, I need to like like we need tomorrow. We need, I need to. I need to buy a gun. We need to have a discussion. Yeah. Anyways, any more news from you today, Ben? Yep, I have one more. This is another one from our favorite in UPI on news. This one's uh -oh. kind of interesting. Spanish athlete emerges from cave after 500 days underground. I did see this one today. I didn't run it. I don't know any parameters beyond that. We're going to find out. Sounds good. A Spanish extreme athlete emerged from a cave in Granada after spending 500 solitary days 230 feet underground. Beatriz Flamini, 50, entered a cave on November 21st, 2021 with an aim to learn about the effects of solitude and deprivation on the human mind and body. Flamini, who was monitored from afar by a team of scientists from the universities of Almeria, Granada, and Murcia, said she lost count of the days after about two months and thought of only 160 to 170 days had elapsed when she reached the project's goal of 500 days. That's crazy. 
Lucy. The athlete said she passed the time during her stay in the cave by reading, writing, drawing, exercising, and knitting. For me, at least, as an elite extreme sportswoman, the most important thing is being very clear and consistent about what you think and what you feel and what you say, Flamini told news conference after exiting the cave. It's true that there were some difficult moments, but there were also some very beautiful moments. And I had both as I lived up to my commitment to living in a cave for 500 days. That was very weirdly written. Sure. <laughs> Flamini's support team said she read 60 books during her 500 days in the cave. Two cameras documented her time underground for an upcoming documentary about the project. The athlete's time in the cave is believed to be a new world record for the longest time spent alone alone in a cave, but it was unclear whether Guinness World Records has a category for the achievement. That's pretty cool. This one kind of broke my brain listening to. I'm not going to lie. Sorry. Because, no, it's a, it's a good thing. In a weird way, I'm envious of this woman. In a weird yeah, way, I am. Yeah, in a weird way. It would be cool to try something like that. Because I'm discovering more and more so during my daily life. I've always thought of myself as an extrovert because I'm always kind of like a talkative person that tries to do shit and get shit done. Sure. But I'm kind of finding myself to be more introverted sure. as days go on. It's like a lot of people cannot stand being at home alone. I have no problem with that. And it's like, I could sit there and be like, man, if I could just have like a year off where I don't have to do anything, think about the books that I could read, the shit that I could work on, the shit that I could write out. To not worry about anything for 500 days. That's the, that, well, I guess that, that's the impetus of it. That frees up so much mental energy. Like, have you ever thought about being deserted on an island? Like, like, definitely. could, Could you survive? Do you think you could fight, like, get through it? If I could figure out the ecosystem, if I could control the ecosystem, absolutely I could. Sure. That, that I feel is like a, I could, too. Controlling the ecosystem is going to be the biggest challenge of that. Being that you're you're not injured in any way, like severely injured. Sure. Like, if you're in a plane crash and you land up on the shore and you got a broken leg, you're probably fucked. Well, yeah, probably. Unless you can, like, reset it and have a good yeah splint there. And find a way to sustain yourself for the weeks necessary. Sure. you might be able to. Sur- I guess the guy on The Revenant did. Sure. You ever see that movie? I have... I have three 4K Blu-rays in my house. I've got The Revenant, The Joker, and the new Top Gun movie. Revenant's a great movie. I have never been able to get through The Revenant. You never finished it? Fell asleep every single time. Damn it. You didn't finish it. It's good. Maybe I could watch it after we get done with this episode. Yeah. We'll see. That's all I got. But, no, I, that that is a great news story. It's an impressive. Yeah, that was very impressive. It's crazy how she only thought 170 days passed. And that it was is the whole time. That is interesting. So that so is, she that missed is the entire year of 2022. Yeah, she missed all that shit. Could you imagine if it was like one of the more, <laughs> like 2022? I'm not. I don't feel like it was that big of a. No, cra- nothing happened. Like 2020 was a crazy year. 2016 was a crazy year. I got married. That was probably the most exciting thing that happened. In 2022? Yeah. Yeah, the sad thing is, is that was the highlight of my year, too, was going to your fucking wedding. I didn't do shit. (laughs) I didn't do shit in 2022. (laughs) No, I mean, I did. I bought a house in 2022. Yeah, there you go. I bought a nice car in 2022. So it was a good year for you. I guess it was a good... it was a... You got a really good pay raise. It was a stressful year in yeah. 2020. Yeah, for sure. Would I want to do it again? Absolutely not. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's like your wedding was the only time I was able to relax that entire that entire yeah. summer, that entire year. Well, that was a very stressful summer. I know it was stressful for you. <laughs> for me, it was like, it was like, man. It's like, I didn't want to go down to the bar, the hotel bar. I didn't want to do shit. I was like, man, I got like three fucking days where I don't have to do shit. <laughs> that was, was fun. I, that hotel bar like, was fun. I literally sat up in my room and was just like reading a book. I was like, this is so fucking peaceful. I was reading a book, sipping on some Crown Royal Apple. Hell yeah. That was a fun weekend. That was a good, that was, I, I appreciate you including me in that. That, Dude, was, a, that was a fun time. Had to be. Anyways, I got one more. 
quick one. Sure. This one's an interesting source. This is from UPI.com, but it is not UPI <laughs> News. Okay. Air National Guardsman who applied to be Hitman Online hit with federal charges. No shit. This is from April 16th. A member of the Tennessee Air National Guard who applied to be a hitman online has been hit with federal charges, prosecutors say Friday. Josiah Ernesto Garcia, age 21, allegedly began searching for contract mercenary jobs online in mid-February when he came across a website called rentahitman.com, according <laughs> to the Justice Department. Now, we have talked about this website before in previous uh, yeah, news Yeah, oh, I do remember. Yeah. Prosecutors noted that the website is a parody website that was originally created to advertise a cybersecurity startup company, <laughs> but received numerous inquiries about murder-for-hire services after the company failed. The website's administrator ultimately converted it to a humorous hitman webpage featuring fake testimonials for murder-for-hire services. Garcia allegedly reached out to the website in February, hoping to be hired as a hitman. The website's owner asked him to submit his resume and identification <laughs> documents. The airman noted he was a marksman expert who had been awarded for not missing a single bullseye on his oh. military qualifying tests. Garcia has been a member of the Air National Guard since July of 2021, according to the complaint. In a follow-up email, Garcia added that he wanted the job because he had a baby on the way and wanted a job that related to his military experience of shooting and killing the marked target. Unbelievable. Under direction of the FBI, the website's owner responded to Garcia and notified him that a field coordinator would be in touch with him. The complaint reads, An undercover FBI employee contacted Garcia by text message on April 3rd and claimed to be a recruiter for Rent a Hitman, seeking to schedule a phone interview, which was scheduled for April 5th. During the fake job interview, the FBI undercover agent asked Garcia if he was in law enforcement and responded that he was not, but he was an airman in the National Guard. After negotiations on payment for his services, the undercover agent asked Garcia if he owned any weapons, and he responded that he possessed an M4A1, a fully automatic variant of the M4 carbine, and only available to the military. Garcia also confirmed during the interview that he was comfortable with torturing victims and taking trophies at the request of the purported client. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the undercover agent met Garcia at a bar the next day in Nashville where he was asked if he still wanted to accept the murder for higher job. I've been looking into this for some time now, Garcia responded. I was looking for a way to get good money. Now it goes on forever, but... <laughs> So I need to ask: Did this guy see action? Was this guy was this guy in combat? It, Air National Guard. I would have to assume probably not. It, I mean, he could have been no. like a like a like a pararescue or something. Like they see some action. Maybe. Maybe. No, I've got I got, I got a good buddy in the Air National Guard. Maybe he was in Syria or something. And they do get they do get deployed out. Like my buddy's been deployed out in the I, Middle East before. Yeah, probably not though. But in terms of serious like combat action. Like, you think about, like, what's going on in the world right now. It's like any serious combat is getting, it's the Army Rangers or it's the SEALs right now. Yep, for sure. Air National Guard combat, well, they need to have people on base capable of handling situations. So, there's probably not a whole lot of PTSD going on with this guy. (sighs) 
Probably I'm not. I'm just wondering. I hate know. to speculate because we don't know what the hell is really going on. Sure. I know that I've had buddies that have gone over there as Air National Guardsmen, and it's like going on vacation, basically. Yeah, I've heard that, too. Now, <laughs> that's not everybody's experience. That's not every single person's experience. But by and large, this guy's qualifications, this dude's only 21 years old. He's only been in since, for two years, not even two years. Oh, okay. Oh, I okay. He's only yeah. 21 years. It's not like this is like some like veteran. No. So this dude is just... This is not Rambo uh, applying for this. This, this, dude, is, this dude's whacked out. This is the equivalent of Orlando Bloom falling out of the fucking helicopter in Black Hawk Down. This is the kind of guy we're talking about. You know what's funny? What? I almost picked Orlando Bloom for our main topic, but I didn't. Oh, well, I did, so. <laughs> Any better segue than that into our main, main topic. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to because I'm not an Orlando Bloom fan at all, as we've, we've discussed previously. I only like him in, in Lord of the Rings. That, well, and it's not even that he's good. He does so bad. When you read the books, he does a, such a bad sure. rendition of Legolas. But it works for the it movies. Works for it the works movie. for the movies. Yeah. But it's not Legolas as the books are written. Sure. But it works. It, it just it does work for the movies. But are we ready? Are we ready? Real quick. Sorry, I gotta I gotta add gotta add this. Oh my god. So HBO Max has entered my has answered my prayers. You see what they're about to do? They're about to make a TV series. Yes. Ten I did. years. Harry Potter. New actors, strictly based off the books. J.K. Rowling's the executive producer. This is gonna be fucking legit. I'm so excited. For I it. cannot believe that they made this happen. I can't believe it either. Like, here's the thing. Like, a lot of fans are pissed that they're remaking it. See, I'm cool with it. But I wanted to see other shit. Like, I want to see the Marauders series. I want to see a Snape series. I want to see Adam Driver as Snape, as a young Snape. He would be perfect. (laughs) Adam Driver would be a perfect Snape. Would he not? Like, a young Snape. Like, a Dumbledore series. Like, they could be doing so much with it. But I am excited for the remake. It's going to be, it's not movies, TV series. I'll take it. But... I'm excited. I think it's going to be sweet. I'm glad you're happy. (laughs) Now, I will say that in terms of recent popular remakes, The Rings of Power was a complete flop. Are you you, you think? Did you watch it? No, but... (laughs) (laughs) Not yet, but people... People that I know that are like you and me that respect this shit watched it and they actually really liked it. They really? thought it was good. Really, Hayden and, Mel- could, Hayden and Melanie. I could not get through the first episode. I, I, I got, you need to keep watching it. I have never gotten so bored so quickly you on a TV you, show. You can't base a TV show off one episode. So Amazon Prime is trying to keep it under wraps. The completion percentage for that show was about thirty four percent. Sure, meaning the people that started it only thirty four percent. I'm gonna watch it. it. I'm gonna watch it now. Industry standards has fifty percent is like like the like the borderline passing rate. Sure, but you want eighty percent of people that start the show to, to finish it. Well, this is literally the most expensive show in history, so they're gonna I, they're gonna try and keep they, it around. Obvi- whatever the hell they did, it, it didn't work because it was just boring. I it wasn't why. like it I'll was woke, it or it wasn't like. Well, I'm not gonna say it wasn't woke, but it was just boring. Like I, I didn't care. Like you don't care about that type of shit. Did it reference any of like? Well, no. It kind of, uh, it, it kind of did, but it was just boring. Was it like? Was it nostalgic at all in any way? No, it didn't. It didn't capture the nostalgia aspect. Sure. It's like even like even the Mandalorian captures the nostalgia yeah. aspect, even though it is I. I fucking hate Disney so much. I, I hate can't watch. Disney so bad. And the Mandalorian has fallen off just in the boring aspect. And it really started in season two. It's, the Mandalorian started in season two with the boringness. 
It's like they brought in uh, that fucking Timothy Oliphant guy who we all know from The Office as Danny Cordray. Yeah. They brought him in for one episode. It was a good episode. And the next episodes were just boring. And so they haven't brought... Was Kenobi good? Kenobi, I, I watched the first episode. It wasn't bad. But then again, I fell asleep. I fall asleep so quickly. My dad and Josh watched all that. What do they What do they say about I, it? I think they liked it. I need to hang out with Josh. I gotta shoot the shit with him about some of the shit. Yeah, I saw Josh on uh, Saturday. But we... it's like the, the Rings of Power, was just it was just... Like, like tediously boring to me. Damn. That sucks. And it's like you look at some like recent TV shows like Ozark, for example, is one. Ozark's not boring. Ozark has some slow episodes, but it keeps your attention. It keeps you guessing. Even well, it doesn't really it didn't keep me guessing because I didn't predict every single thing was gonna happen once I understood what was going on. See what pisses me off is you literally have not seen have not will not give the best show out there a chance. Peaky Blinders. That is the fucking Peaky Blinders. I know. You need to give that show a chance. It's so fucking good. I'll tell you what. I'm going to go spend a year in London. (laughs) I'm going to learn the language. I don't speak British, man. I just don't. It's not that harsh. Put on the subtitles, goddammit. I'm too I'm too fucking honky American. Like I, I can't, can't even watch British. TV. I can't even watch TV without subtitles. Really? In English. Like I have to have subtitles. And I can't even hear. Like I can't hear shit. That's why I have subtitles, because I can't hear either. Anyways. <laughs> we'll we get on to way off topic. Sorry about that. You know what's funny is that's all you're gonna say in the episode. <laughs> Unless you want to edit this one. I don't care. I, I don't mind doing it. Doesn't matter. It. Doesn't matter. I'll do whatever. It is so much easier editing during the beginning of your day than during the end. It's like I woke up, I knew I had to edit all day. I knocked it out very quickly. I felt like it was a good edit. It was a quick edit, though. I usually get a lot. I usually get the most done before I go to work. Yeah, after work, it's it's just like you're just like drained. It's like, (laughs) oh my God, I'll sit down at the computer. Anyways. Yep. Anyways. On to the main topic, man. We've got another classic episode. This is going to be your episode, Pat. It is not going to be my episode. It's going to be Ben's episode. Ben came up with this one. But Ben, what are we talking about today? Episode 105. Our main topic today is luckiest people to ever live. Now, the true luckiest people of all time are our listeners. 100%. <laughs> Because they get this constant content coming at them roughly every 10 days, I guess. Literally. Now, here's the thing. We could do, we could literally do 105 episodes on this topic. Yes. There's so many. And it's hard for me to tell whether these people are lucky or unlucky. I've got one guy who could fit in either category. Like all my guys could fit in either category. I guess I've got, I've got a couple that could fit in either category. Maybe not. Maybe a couple. But I have five. How many do you have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight is what I came up with. But these are these are gonna be these are quick moving. Sure. So. I, I have I have like two that are a little long, but they're not really that long. They won't take long. Do you want to get into it or do you want me to jump in? It doesn't matter. You have more, so you can you can you can jump in. Okay, my first guy is gonna be Tutsomo Yamaguchi. See, I purposely didn't do certain ones because I yeah. figured you would have a couple. And I felt like a lot of these people had to be talked about, even though I kind of assumed this was one that you would ring as well yeah i purposely didn't do the a lot of the main ones that a lot of websites had sure now <laughs> i did mine from list first and list 25.com i don't know what kind of sources you had probably the same thing <laughs> <laughs> i'll well that's not true i had a couple off mental flaws okay very good and what i did find as well during the research and i've got a small list at the end of mine of people that we have talked about previously that also fit in Tutsomo Yamaguchi yep. was a employee mm-hmm. at Mitsubishi Heavy Industries in Japan during World War II. And he was required in his role to travel all across Japan during the war, mind you. So unfortunately, he's like a business trip to Hiroshima in what, August of, is it, is it August? I thought Nagasaki was August. They both were in the same month. Oh, were they? 
Okay. Oh, yeah, because yeah. that was later. Yeah. So he took a business trip to Hiroshima in August of 1945. Now, Hiroshima was definitely an industrial powerhouse of Japan. Have you ever read that book, Hiroshima? No. It's it's brutal. It's, it's tough. R- ridiculous. One of the most brutal books I ever read. Sorry. But as many of our listeners might know, World War II ended with the dropping of two different atomic bombs by the United States against Japan. Hiroshima was one target. And Tutsomo Yamaguchi had been on a business trip to Hiroshima while this bomb was dropped. Now, immense devastation was brought upon the city. This was an industrial complex, but a lot of people lived there as well. Hundreds of thousands of deaths, etc., etc. For people that want to even understand the magnitude of the devastation that an atomic bomb drops, sure. like, puts on a city, people's shadows were still on the sidewalks, and they're still on the sidewalks this day. Which is the creepiest, saddest, the eeriest thing ever. craziest thing ever. Now, now, luckily for Tutsomo Yamaguchi, yes, he survived. He survived the bombing. He was in the right place at the right time, survived the bombing. After the bombing, he returned to his family who lived in Nagasaki. And he returned to work at a plant, that he, like his like home plant, basically, which is in Nagasaki, which is also an industrial powerhouse. Two days later, was it, uh, the plant is in the U.S. Air Force Museum. Yeah, we saw it. It's, um... What's it called? Uh, Shit. Fat Boy? Fat Boy. Yeah. Or is Fat Boy the bomb? I thought, I thought Fat Boy was the bomb. Um, you might be right. Uh, what the damn fuck it. is it? I gotta look it up. I'm sorry. Yeah, please do, because it's, it's, it's messing me I'm up. Sorry. That was a fun trip. We gotta yeah, do that again. We gotta do that again. We'll sure. take we gotta, Hudson. We gotta take Hudson, we gotta take Josh, and we gotta take Tim. We'll bring my dad, too. That'd be fun. Can we do, like, a dude's trip? Yeah, let's do it. I don't think the... I don't think the planes were named, were they? Yeah, they were. They were. Okay, yeah. So, the, 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 the bombs were Box boy. Boxcar. Boxcar. Because the bombs were Little Boy and, and Fat Boy, right? It was like Little, little boy, Man or little something Little Man like that. and Fat Boy or something. Something like that. Little Boy and Fat Man. I think it was Little Boy and Fat Man. Probably. Well, the plane was Boxcar, which still sits in the yep. United States Air Force Museum today. So on August 9th, 1945, he goes back to work at Nagasaki after surviving one atomic bombing. You're like, holy shit, this should happen. Nagasaki was a seaport industrial town. Boxcar flies over, drops the Fat Man down or whichever one it is. And. And there goes Nagasaki. Now, this was a worse, I think this was probably a worse devastation because this was a better bomb. They mm-hmm. dropped. Yeah. Tutsomo Yamaguchi survived both bombings. Unbelievable. And he lived until 2010. Unreal. He lived until 2010. Damn. He was born in 1916 and he lived until 2010. Wow. Incredible. So could you imagine? I mean, many people have probably heard that story before. It's an incredible tale. Mm-hmm. But I just, I could not imagine. I'll have to read Hiroshima again. This guy's, because it's Hiroshima, if I remember it correctly. It's probably been like 10 years since I read the book. Sure. But um, I'll have to find that. It might be at my parents' house. Um. But it talks about the accounts of survivors, I'm pretty sure. Sure. And it's really, it's it's pretty crazy. It's crazy. Now, there are many people that have been floated out as been able to survive both that were probably in the same spot at the, both bombings. Sure. But he's the only, like, verified one. Where right. Where they absolutely know that he was in both places at the same time. Crazy. Lived until 2010. 2010. Yeah. That, that's incredible. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> Anyways, what else you got today, Ben? You ever heard of Bill Morgan? Oh, yeah. I got him as well. You got him? Cool. We can both talk about him. This is a good one. So, most people you meet, they don't want to die. Sure. But most people want to win the lottery. This guy's done both. (laughs) 
Twice. This, this guy's incredible. <laughs> this guy's incredible. He's incredible. Bill Morgan was an was an Australian truck driver, and in the June in June of 1998, hit a heart attack while on the job. Now, apparently, the doctors felt like treatment obviously needed to happen immediately, so they ended up giving this dude some type of medication that ultimately led to an allergic reaction that okay, yeah. made him die for 14 minutes, twice the amount of time to declare someone medically dead. Sure. After seven minutes, normally they declare you medically dead. Yeah. This guy was dead for 14 minutes. They continued to try to revive him, and eventually his heart started to pump again, but he was basically a vegetable. Or so they thought. And so so they thought. So the doctors pretty much told the family, like, hey, you guys might want to consider turning off this life support machine. He's a vegetable. He's never going to come out of this. Yada, yada, yada. But his sisters, they were reluctant to do this and uh they got hooked up with this specialist i don't know where this specialist came from do you know the the where the specialist came from did they contact him or was he just there i because i wasn't able to verify that i don't know this is the weirdest part of the story Yeah. So uh, this specialist was willing to take Bill for an experimental treatment. He was basically a guinea pig with this treatment. Sure. And after 15 days, uh, he sat up and uh, he was basically back to normal. That's what's weird. He was just like he, he was good. He was just like back to normal. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> like after this all that was shit. dubbed a medical miracle. Like that's basically the whole story. I, I don't really. He know was other dead way. for 14 minutes. They brought him back barely. They thought he was a vegetable for life. They thought there was. No way that anybody could sustain the amount of brain damage that he had to have sustained. Yeah, because when you lose consciousness for that long, your brain is not getting that oxygen. Normally, you come out of it with some fucked up brain shit. But this guy was completely fine. So then about a year after he died and came back to life, basically, he goes out and he, he, and he gets a scratch-off and he wins a car <laughs> worth $30,000. And this gains attention and the new, a news agency decides to do a segment on him. Him about his luckiness and the segment what they do is they film him buying another scratch off where he wins two hundred and fifty thousand oh dollars live God. on the spot on tv he wins two hundred and fifty thousand dollars well it's australian dollars whatever that currency is which is pretty close it's to the ri- u.s dollars. but it's ridiculous it's just ridiculous that. yeah it's pretty it's pretty ridiculous that this guy wins the lottery twice and dies basically dies twice because he was in a coma for almost a month i think or it was like two like weeks two weeks it was like two weeks and yeah it's pretty incredible bill morgan yeah and he's still alive today so he is still alive today which is absolutely could you imagine incredible. he could just sit back and do whatever the hell he wants literally for write one book it's probably gonna sell pretty well mm-hmm. you could appear on podcasts like our own 4 30 in the morning bill morgan if you're out there listening please contact us in any way you can yes please tweet us at 30 in the t-h-i-r-t-y-t-h-e <laughs> That sounds right. That sounds about right. We want to get you on the show. Talk about your experience. Definitely. We got to bring some good guests on the show. Definitely. All these people are eligible. Definitely. If they're still alive. Definitely. Now, my next one is Martin De Jong. You have him down? Nope. I think I saw him, though. Maybe. He was born in 1985, and this asshole claims to have survived, and I kind of believe it because it's it's, it's kind of, it's, it's unbelievable and it's believable at the same time. He claims to have had in his possession tickets on two different plane crashes that happened within the 2010. Now, both of these were Malaysian Airlines who had a very rough decade. Yes, they have. They had a really rough decade last decade. Now, many people remember MH Flight 370, which disappeared, and we really still don't know what happened. Yeah, that's a mystery. The the establishment is, is trying to push together a narrative that they think happened. 
but I watched, there's a new Netflix documentary out there, and I've always had questions about it. The documentary leaves you with more questions than answers hmm. in terms of what actually happened with that plane. What's it called? I think it's just called MH370. I might have to watch that tonight. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was, it's a pretty good, it'll put you to sleep, but it's How long good, is it? It's three episodes long. It's about two and a half hours total. It's enough to put you to sleep and keep you like wanting to watch it like the next morning to see what happens, basically. Sure. This guy claims to have owned a ticket to that, and when you can look at it as purchasing tickets, basically he bought a ticket for the flight, but then I exchange it for a different ticket later. Now, this guy's a cyclist, but he also had a ticket and he booked a seat on MH17, which is also Malaysian Airlines. Now, this was the Malaysian Airlines plane that got shot down by that Russian rocket. Yeah. Back, and people forget that the whole Ukraine-Russian thing has been going on for a very long time. Yeah. And they shot down that airliner. Since Obama, before Obama. This, well, this was during Obama. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, this was before right, Trump. Right. Right. This one is just, it's, it's ridiculous. And it's like the MH370 one happened like four months prior to the, the Russian plane getting shot down. Mm-hmm. But it was both Malaysian airlines. And it's like, how do you do this? How do you lose a plane and then get one shot down by a Russian, <laughs> Russian rocket? Yeah, bad luck. It's ridiculous. So this asshole had tickets on both planes, but never actually boarded either flight. Unreal. Could you imagine? Lucky ass dude. Lucky guy. So that's all I have with him. That's about all that's he's a good ever one. done. He's a cyclist, though. He might see him riding around. Nice. We'll have to, we'll have to look out for that guy. Definitely. All right, my next one is Aldolfi Sachs. You ever heard of this guy? I have not. So this guy escaped death seven times before the age of 10. He was born in 1814 in Belgium, and he became a musician young in his life. Probably influenced by his dad, who um, was like, he made instruments for the king. Sure. For like, you know, whatever the king needed an instrument for, this guy made it. Uh, He played the clarinet and the flute, and he actually ended up inventing a lot of instruments, most notably the saxophone, hence his last name being Sax. Interesting. Not really sure how this guy came into so many close calls with his life at such a young age, but we're going to be going through everything that happened to this kid. (laughs) It's absolutely ridiculous. So he mistook a bowl of diluted sulfuric acid to be milk and he drank it and he lived his father's work so this was in 1814 so his father's work he uh, uh, exposed him to a lot of different chemicals and he suffered poisoning from acute exposure to varnish on three separate occasions when freshly stained furniture was left to dry overnight in the room in where he slept so back in the day when they made furniture they put this shit on it and it was a really bad chemical you're really not supposed to breathe this, this guy <laughs> slept in the same room I don't know why his dad let him sleep in this room but I don't really understand how that happened sure on three separate occasions, he slept through that, which would have killed anybody. Okay, where was I at? On separate occasions, he accidentally swallowed a needle, and he fell out of a third-story window and hit his head on a paving stone on the ground. <laughs> now, his fall, the result of his fall, he was either laid up for a week or possibly in a coma for that time. There's conflicting accounts of what happened after that, but he obviously survived. Sure. And he was laid up for at least a week or in a coma. Now, he was seriously burned when he was when he was near exploding gunpowder that knocked him across his father's workshop and another time when he stumbled on to a hot cast iron stove and had burns all over his torso he was hit in the head by a slate tile that slid off a roof and he fell into an adjacent river almost drowning in the process now this kid had all kinds of nicknames when he was growing up his mother didn't think he was gonna live his mother thought that he was like cursed oh he I would have written him off he, he, he was like she she 
um, she was like, this kid is not going to live to old age. And uh, he was called like the ghost kid or something like that. Sure. It was called because he, nothing could kill this kid. And even in his later years, he served, he battled lip cancer for four years. Oh my God. And survived. And he lived to the age of 79. That's incredible. Yeah. Died in the 1890s. So that's Aldolfi Sax. He was the inventor of the saxophone and a lot of different other instruments that we know. And uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Now my father plays a saxophone. No shit, my Uncle Mike plays a sax. I'm going to I'm gonna have to get him a saxophone. I don't think he has one right now. I have to get him one. I absolutely love the sax. It's a good instrument. It you is. Know. Alto Reed for Bob Seger. Mm-hmm. Yep, fantastic. Is he so, did he die? Main, Bob- Main Street is my favorite Bob Seger song, or it's like top three. Yeah, that's a great one. And that guy playing the sax... During that song is fantastic. And then uh, Bruce Springsteen had uh, Clarence something. I can't remember what the his name was. See, I think, so the studio version of Main Street, it's the guitar sure. playing the hook. But in the live versions, it's, it's the sax. Yep. We'll have to cut that. That's the sax. That's really played by the sax, and it's fantastic. Anyways, I've got one. I'm, you probably have this one. I don't know if you do. Do you have uh, Fran Selleck? I, or that, that was the guy. That's one of them I skipped. He's like number one on every list. Yeah, and he could <laughs> he could fit in the most luckiest or unluckiest. Hundred percent. Work with it. Yep. Now he lived from the years nineteen twenty nine until twenty sixteen. Damn. So this guy was <laughs> this guy plugged along for a long time. Not quite as old as my grandpa, but he's getting there. And he lived a life that many people would say was lucky. I would probably agree with that. Plenty of people would say it was unlucky, but whatever. So he is noted for surviving death like seven times in, in this like ridiculous fashion his first one was january 1962 he was on a train in europe somewhere and the train like got kicked off a bridge and like fell into a canyon and a total of 17 people died in this like wreck he was pulled from some random person that was like on the scene they pulled him from safety through the river because he was in the he was underwater in the river all he had was a broken arm and hypothermia lucky a year later he went on a plane ride and this was the first and only plane ride this guy ever went on yep he was blown out of a plane door (laughs) and as luck would have it he landed on a haystack unbelievable now he could not have been very high in altitude it couldn't have been that high, but if, if, if they were thirty-two thousand feet up, no, it no could, way. It could not have been that high. But he was blown out of the door prior to the plane crashing. The plane crashed and killed nineteen people. Unbelievable. But he survived because he was blown out prior and landed on a haystack of all things to land on. <laughs> so two years after that, he was trying to teach his son how to shoot a gun. Now at this point, you're not touching a firearm. I feel like at this point, definitely. You have to be like, but he's like, okay, I'm gonna teach my boy how to shoot, but he. He wasn't paying attention to the fact that the safety wasn't on or wasn't wasn't on. Dude's a moron. And somehow <laughs> this dude probably crashed the plane himself. Well, he shot his balls off. <laughs> <laughs> during this operation but he survived so the gun misfired it took care of his manhood it got rid of that sure but he survived good thing he already had his kid and in 1970 and 1973 both he had car crashes where he himself caught on fire <laughs> but both of these times he managed to escape serious burns his hair burned a little bit but that was about all that happened unreal and in 1995 he was struck by a bus but only sustained minor injuries and then a year later after that, he apparently he ran into like a United Nations truck on a blind mountain curve. <laughs> <laughs> Random. And he swerved into a guardrail and he was not wearing a seatbelt and he was ejected from the car. <laughs> 
He plummeted 300 feet into a gorge. Unbelievable. But somehow you survived all that. And then in 2003, two days after his 73rd birthday, he won a $1.1 million in the Croatian National Lottery. Unbelievable. And he lived until 2016. Unreal. Good good for him. That that story's just ridiculous. No words. Yeah. No words. So that's Frano. It's Frain or Frano Selleck is his name. Anything more you got for this one, Ben? Oh, yes. Pat, we've talked about this guy a couple times on the show. Have you ever heard of Andrew Jackson? Oh, yeah. Our nation's seventh president. Seventh president from 19... He was... Lee lived from 1767 to 1845. Yes. And he's also one of my people. God damn it. So this guy survived an assassination attempt, the very first assassination attempt on a U.S. president. But how he survived was lucky as shit. So it was January 30th, 1835. President Andrew Jackson was attending a funeral at the Capitol building. Yes. As he was approaching the building, a dude named Richard Lawrence, who was hiding behind a pillar, basically stepped out and aimed the pistol right at the president's heart and fired. Now, cap exploded, pop went off, smoke, but nothing happened. It was a misfire. Unreal. What kind of happens next is kind of fucking crazy because andrew jackson at this point he's he's pretty ill i think he's old he's not really old how old was he at this point he would have been 58 58 okay but as far as we know he he was ill at this point 68 68 okay ah shit so lawrence pulled out a second pistol and took aim at him again he took aim at him again and jackson literally charged him with his fucking cane at this point and the guy yes and the guy fired again and it misfired fired again and then you know a group of dudes basically tackled the guy and that was that but he 100% should have been killed his this guy's pistol misfired twice Andrew Jackson a badass being ill charged this guy with his cane he was 67 I just looked it up he was 67 (laughs) so that's pretty awesome that's That's pretty crazy that's one that I had to bring to the story as well old hickory that was his name old hickory Hickory. he was a rough and ready type of guy king Jackson king Andrew Jackson I don't know about that well he was from from England, pretty sure. He was born on he was born stateside, but before the U.S. was a country. Was he? Yeah. I thought he was born in England. I didn't think so. We'll have to look it up. We'll talk about it later. We'll do an entire episode on him. Okay, for sure. He is a rough and ready type of guy. For sure. He was a staunch. Uh, I think he was. I think he was against the concept of a central bank. That was Smart. one of his big points. He was. A, he was a good. He was a Whig. He was a good guy though. Yeah. I've got a couple more. How many more do you have, man? I have two more. All right. Do you have Joan Ginther? Nope. Joan Ginther between the years of 1993 and 2010. Won twenty million dollars in the lottery on four different drawings. She won her first one in nineteen ninety three. It was like a five million dollar jackpot or something. And then in twenty oh six, she won another one. Is like like two million ish, one million ish. In twenty oh eight, she won a third that was like again like one million or two million ish. Now are these scratch offs? What game is she playing? I don't know what the hell game she's playing, but she's winning whatever the hell she's doing. And in twenty ten, she won a a ten million dollar jackpot. Unreal. Four different wins. For seven digits. I think that woman is statistically the luckiest woman to ever. Probably. The luckiest person to ever live in the history of the world. Probably. So that's Se- all like. Seven digits each. The four different winnings of seven digits each. Absolutely. There's no way. So that's all I got with her. That's incredible. Any, what else you got today, man? You ever heard of Leonard Thompson? I don't think I have. In 1922, 14-year-old Leonard Thompson, he was a diabetic. Now at the time, the only treatment for diabetes at that time was a starvation diet. So this kid at 14 years old was only 65 pounds. Oh my God. He was falling in and out of a coma. His parents were desperate and the doctors took a risk and they decided to try this experimental drug called
called insulin. Oh. So they took a leap of faith and they injected Thompson with a mysterious drug. Now, this drug had never been tested on humans before this kid. So this was a huge risk. And the first rounds of injections um, ended up, he ended up having in like a, an allergic reaction. But after about 12 days of tinkering, they got it right and they got the insulin like pure. Sure. And uh, his recovery was immediate. So this kid was pretty freaking lucky. This kid was definitely going to die, man. Yeah. They tried a drug that was never tested before. This random thing. And it worked. That's incredible. Could you imagine me the pretty first lucky. person? Yeah, pretty lucky. The first person to take yeah. insulin? Yep. Now I've got two more. I'm going to try to get them out very quickly. Sure. Orlando Bloom is one of the worst actors that we've ever seen. <laughs> but he's one of the luckiest people that's ever existed. Definitely. Not only has he managed to somehow find fame, despite the fact that he doesn't know what the hell he's doing, he's terrible. Well, I'm pretty sure Peter Jackson brought him out of acting school to be in The Lord of the Rings. Well, yes, and that is interesting. And that's a stroke of luck in and of itself. But Maybe he, he should have stayed. He broke his back prior yeah. in a movie, I think it was a movie incident. He should not have been able to ever walk again. Didn't he fall out of a building? Something, yeah. Yeah. Now, his best film is Black Hawk Down, where he falls out of the helicopter immediately and goes away right away. That's the only film where he's acceptably part of, <laughs> part of the movie. But he has broken both his legs, his right arm, or his left arm, his right wrist, ribs, and he has cracked his skull three different times. So I guess that probably explains Damn. for his like inability to actually act properly. Sure. He said he broke his legs three times? Yeah. No, he broke both of his legs different times, and he cracked his skull three times. Oh. See, I've, I've had a broken leg. That's rough. He broke his nose in a rugby game. Sure. Which, uh, that's believable. I'm pretty sure I've broken my nose But before. if you want to talk about a lucky piece of shit. Yeah. Lucky this piece guy, of shit. who has no skill whatsoever, ended up sustaining himself in The Lord of the Rings, doing a very popular, very famous role as Legolas. I will give him the scene in The Two Towers when he is surfing down the stairs and he's taking out people with his bow. That's, yeah, a, that's it, a sweet fucking It's pretty scene. cool. It's like that's the coolest. a sweet fucking scene. That's all, right. all he's got, though. That's all he's got, though. <laughs> he butchers the role in the book, because Legolas is so much cooler in the book. He's so much wiser. More... He's, he's more outgoing in the book. He's just a better person in the book. Sure. In the movies, Legolas never talks to Frodo once. Yeah, no. Uh, no, the, never... the only time the only time he acknowledges Frodo in the fucking movies at the end, like the one of the last scenes in the third one. It's like he actually is too cool for school the entire time. <laughs> So that's why Orlando Bloom sucks. Besides he, the first movie. He's on our he's on our list, though. Like, you can't not talk about him, unfortunately. For sure. Well, she got? My last one. You ever heard of George Washington? Oh, my God. We talked about him in the last episode. We sure did. George Washington was lucky as shit. So there's no doubt that George Washington crossing the Delaware River on Christmas evening, 1776, for a surprise attack on the... So I don't know if this is... You pronounce it the Hessians or the Hessians? The Hessians. The Hessians. Is that how you say that? Yes, okay. the German mercenaries. Yes. This was a huge factor in winning the Revolutionary War. Um, but honestly, it should have gone the other way. It could have gone a hell of a lot differently. Sure. Because there were two deserters on Washington's side that warned the uh, commander, his name was Johann Rall, the day prior about an imminent river crossing and surprise attack. And this guy was like, you know what? No, nope. We've gotten these reports before. They haven't come. This <laughs> is another cry wolf. We're not going to do anything. A redcoat spy separate from the deserter 
went to them and was like, look, this attack is coming. They're going to be crossing this river. And the guy was like, nope, even if they were going to come, we can handle the attack. We can take them out. No problem. Well, history shows that uh, did not go Rawls' way, did it? Did not. So this guy was warned multiple times that there was a surprise attack coming. And this man was surprised. Sure. So uh, in my opinion, George Washington was pretty lucky. Definitely. (laughs) That's all I got for George Washington. American hero, definitely. 100%. I've got one more very quick one. This guy's name is Nichiren, and he is the monk that survived the beheading. He lived from February of 1222 to October of 1282. He's a Japanese monk, I believe, and he was sentenced to execution for writing a prophecy that the Japanese authorities felt was subversive and undermined their power. Now, when he went to the podium to be executed by beheading, the executioner was struck and killed by lightning <laughs> right as they raised the sword. Unreal. And he ended up being set free because they didn't they didn't know what to do at that point. They were like, what, what can we do with this guy? Well, the creator or whoever the hell they um, worshipped was like, this guy needs to live. Yeah. Probably what they thought. So he ended up surviving that and he lived until he was uh, until the age of 60. Anyways, you got any more? Nope, that's it. Uh, the other ones that we had were that were the people that we talked about previously were Roy Cleveland Sullivan from the Lightning episode. Yep. What? Seven, eight times struck by lightning? Seven times struck by lightning, but probably eight. <laughs> Timothy's Dexter, do you remember him? On the fake third yes. death? Yes. He, he popped up a lot on these research. Yep. Teddy Roosevelt, who we yep. talked about, and Fidel Castro. Yep. Fidel Castro survived a lot of attempts on his life. All these people are lucky people as well. So there is a lot of material we could dive into in the future if we decided to go to this topic. Now, we already have our next topic picked out, don't we? Definitely, we do. Pat, what is going to be our next topic? This is the first time that we are relinquishing our episode prior to airing. And we're going to be talking about the unluckiest people of all time. Yes, definitely. So I'm terrible with words right now. We are. We're, we're struggling, but it's about time to wrap this one up. I've gotten about six hours of sleep the last four days. Sure. So it, it's been it's been rough. <laughs> but I thought this was a very fun discussion. Please tweet us at 30 and please let, let us know what you think about everything. <laughs> Definitely. My stomach's about to blow up. So Peace. But 105, we got a fun one in store for you guys. So, you guys want to get started? Or, <laughs> I keep back to like there's more people here than there actually are. Right. So, do you want to get started with some news today? How many do you got? I'm about to buy a bunch of, some silver. Yeah, I'm thinking about starting to get into some. Oh, I've been buying. Titles. I'm starting to buy ammo. That's what I'm. That's where I kind of think. Yeah, I need. need to, I need to like like we need tomorrow. We need, I need to. I need to buy a gun. We need to have a discussion. Yeah. Anyways. Here's an answer from Wikipedia. Light or visible light is electromagnetic. <laughs> Not what I said. God damn it. <laughs> God. Oh, God. All right. Where the fuck were we at? We're getting ready for your next news ah, story. Sorry. Cut. Anyways, any more news from you today, Ben? Yep, I have one more. No, at this point, you're not touching a firearm, I feel like, at this point. Definitely you have to be not. Like, but he's like, okay, I'm going to teach my boy how to shoot. It's American right there. He was a Croatian. Cut. Which is, <laughs> which is the worst part about this entire operation. Did I ever tell you about my war with the fucking raccoon? No. Dude, so we got this fucking raccoon, right? We've had it for like two years. Maybe maybe, but maybe about a year and a half, right? This fucking raccoon gets into our garbage, eats all of our sh- fucking scraps, throws it all over our yard and driveway. I walk outside all the time. 
and there's just trash in my yard. Oh my god! I'm like this fucking raccoon. I put I put heavy bricks and shit on top of my garbage cans and shit. Sure, sure. Raccoons are smart and they're strong. They have thumbs. Yeah. And the, he literally pushes the rocks off and gets in there. Right. I've caught that sucker a couple times. I've chased it up my driveway. I've chased a possum up my driveway. I've chased this fucking raccoon up my driveway. This raccoon fucks with me. I know it. The night I came home from picking up Paige's parents from the airport, I I forgot to tell you about this. I pull in the driveway, and I see the fucking lid moving. And this fucking, and the fucking raccoon is poking its head out. And it starts to get out. I get out of my car. I got the door half open. My lights are still on. I'm looking at him, and he turns, he's fucking looking at me. And I swear to God, dude, we literally stare at each other without moving. He's not blinking. I'm not blinking. We stare at each other for like 20 seconds, oh, bro. My I'm literally God. just standing there looking at this motherfucker. This dude is huge. This dude's been eating good the last couple of years. This this raccoon is ginormous. How big? Like, what are we talking? Like, bigger than a house? Probably bigger than a house cat for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. No, but I've, I've seen possums that are bigger than house cats. I've seen some pretty possums big Possums ra- get big. I've seen some pre- pretty big raccoons in my day. This is a big raccoon, dude. So we're talking like dog size? Yeah. We're, we're approaching dog size? Okay. This is a big raccoon. Ask Paige. She heard this, like, this, like, noise. And it sounded like somebody was walking up the driveway. She was sitting there, and then it was a fucking raccoon. Just walking right by her. Looks I at her. Would not, looks, I would not. Looks at her. She's sitting there looking at this thing. And she's like, dude, this raccoon was huge. I thought it was a person. And it was walking up the driveway. I could hear it. Like, our driveway is pretty long. She's sure, like, I heard yeah. it walking up the driveway. It took like a minute. <laughs> it's now, crazy. Well, do you guys want to, like, get rid of it, get rid of it? I know Tim can come here with his fucking samurai swords, his bows, and his fucking... Tim, with his bow, <laughs> could take care of this. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of... It's almost like a battle of wills at this point with me and this goddamn raccoon. What are you going to do to get rid of it, though? So, I had plans of action going through my head at the time (laughs) we were staring at each other because I was thinking this thing thing might attack me, right? So, there were a couple options in my head. Oh, my God. One was, okay, about 12 feet to my left, I have a 2 by 4 Sure. Sitting there. Sure. I was like, I think this thing could probably get to me quicker than I can get to it. Sure. I was like, another option would be to get in my car real quick. But then this motherfucker would have me cornered. I wouldn't be able to get back out. So I decided that I, I would have to fucking body this thing. I would have to, like, fucking kick it or I would have to fuck it up. Some, dude, you don't want to do that. I know, but I, I would have had you no got other a son, choice. Dude, you, you can't be doing I this can't, shit. I can't. You can't run from it. So you got to face it. Yeah, not... but you have to face it prepared. That's why you bring Tim in. You bring me and Tim in. Me and Tim will have this thing taken care of immediately. So you're okay. You're as long eat. as you're confident, as long as you can, <laughs> all you need to do is give us patterns that we can anticipate. That's all we need to do, and it has to be a weekend. You're gonna have to I'm probably. Gonna, I, I'm gonna have to observe. I'm gonna have to set up some cameras well, or something. Here's what, here, I don't see them all the time. Here's what has to happen. Number one, you need to set up some cameras. Yeah, she, I mean, outside cameras. Sure. Because you need to be watching the patterns of the raccoon. But when me and Tim come in, you have to be able to observe us. Sure. Now, I don't know if Paige and Hudson can handle 
what's going to transpire. <laughs> I'm confident you can. Sure. They'll be sleeping during this altercation. Okay. Well, if you want to be your own ambassador, <laughs> so be it. Now, the problem with this operation is it demands ap- absolute silence. Sure. Because this is not the first time that me and Timothy have, have attempted one of these things. Sure. We were interrupted by an unanticipated guest arriving that diminished the silence that we thought we had available. Sure. I think you should be good. Now, Tim is a professional. He is. Sure. And it's going to be... The problem is is that we you're still in the city, correct? You're still within city limits? Yeah. So firearms are off the table. I can't imagine you want firearms being part of this operation anyways. But firearms Probably are off the table. Probably not. Ta- yeah, you're going to have to use a bow or a blow dart. Firearms are off the table. So Or a knife. Timothy has plenty of archery experience. He's got plenty of options. Does he have night vision scopes? He's going to need that. He he might, honestly. But there is a motion sensor light out there. See, that's where we would take it. We would take advantage of that. Yeah, and the and the raccoon knows about that light. He probably triggers it on. He probably knows yeah. all about it. So, so with that in mind, we would probably set bait up in an area that it's going to trigger off the light. You don't need bait. The trash can's right there. That's the bait. So I guess, I guess <laughs> if, if we're talking about this type of predictability, this, this could get, this could literally be so easy. You could literally a, Tim could literally <laughs> just sit on my step. That damn raccoon will walk up the driveway, not giving a damn that Tim has a bow pointed at it, and he will climb into my trash can and okay and eat. So if you're saying this is that easy, what you would have to do in preparation of this. Is outside of the trash can. You have to make sure that your yard is pretty clear. You don't want your cars in the backyard. Sure. Um, if you have any like expensive vases or bird baths or anything like that, my yard looks like Ukraine, dude. Okay, fair enough. Now the we are, problem. We are getting a new fence soon. Though. The problem that you need is there's a second element to this operation. Where does the raccoon come from? Do you know that? Do you have that idea in so place? So the raccoon does not come every day. Sure. He's pretty unpredictable when he comes. Sure. I'm sure he goes to other... Yeah, you're not the only place things. that he preys on. Yeah. Sure. So, but most of the time, there's really only two directions you can come from. Sure. Either behind the garage or up the driveway. Okay. The other two yards are fenced. He could possibly climb the fence, but I've never seen him do that i've only ever seen him every time he leaves i've seen him leave twice he always goes behind the garage sure now i have never seen him approach that was Paige's story he came up the driveway so that's the only that, is that, that that's the only time that you guys have had Actually, that happen then i have chased him up the driveway he was on the porch okay i saw him on the porch so he he comes from the front yard I'm thinking he goes because um, the neighbors have their trash on the side sometimes. Sure. I feel like he checks that out first and then comes back to my yard. Okay, I guess that he, makes he, sense. He could be doing that. I guess that kind of makes sense. Oh, he's smart. He's definitely smart. Um, so what I could do is I might just install, like, a lock and hook type thing. Sure. But... I don't want to. I don't want one that locks. I don't want to have to take a key outside to no, my trash. No, you don't every want time. that. You don't want that. You want to get rid of that crew. Yeah. So That's for me and Tim coming. Yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, if you guys can't do the job, 
Um, I would just install some type of latch sophisticated enough to where it might take him a while to figure it out. We can do the job. Sure. That's, that's not a question. Yeah. I mean, I could probably do the job. Now. I could literally stand on a ladder and wait for that thing to walk under it and I can drop a fucking rock on it. No, you need you need two people. You need me and Tim. I could literally do that, but. But the other the other elements of this operation, I mean, Timothy have done this before. No, we have have we succeeded? No, but very <laughs> How much are you guys going to charge me to do this? Operation? We're not charging. We're not charging. Oh, okay. We're doing it for the practice because uh, we want to form. You, you have to form a customer base, so that you have to have your. So you you guys trying to like make this into a business? This could be a good TV show. Honestly, no. We're mostly we're doing it because. Think we don't. It. We don't like pests. Nobody likes pests. Think about it. You guys could have your own reality and TV show. You're traveling around, getting rid of people's ridiculous animals that are fucking up their yard or t- getting trash all over. Now, Peta, Peta would protest us immediately because it's going to so be what? violent. They protest everyone. It's going to be violent. But the other element is that our strategy is Tim takes the shot, but with Tim to be in pre- preparation to make an accurate shot, he can't be responsible for anything else. That's where I come in. Now, our strategy is that Tim takes a shot. The second he takes a shot, he calls out that we're clear, basically. And then it's my job to go make sure that the job gets finished. So I literally run in with melee weapons. 